This is Patrick Esmond-White. You're listening to Canada Reimagined. This episode, Grounded. I talked about the hydrogen economy. Let's talk more about transportation. Cars dominate the debate over ground transportation. I already addressed this. What I want to turn to is transportation more broadly. The government, the federal government, Transport Canada, Infrastructure Canada, proudly supports green transportation. All good. Still, with so many things happening at once, it's hard to see how the pieces fit together. At least it is to me. Now, as you figured out, I'm a generalist trying to make sense of how things should fit together. I see policies and technologies all as pieces of a jigsaw puzzle still in the box. Until you try to put it together, it's hard to tell that pieces are missing or belong to an entirely different puzzle altogether. A case in point, the government wants to create a transportation system that is, and I quote, safe and secure, efficient and environmentally responsible. They boast of research and planning and have photo ops for chunks of spending on things like bridges and transit but they don't explain, to my satisfaction, what the overall system might look like in five years, let alone three decades. Let me give it a try, connecting dots and suggesting a way forward. Let me sum up what I previously said about a future hydrogen economy and transportation. Northern transportation will be hydrogen-powered. Down south, cars will be mostly hydrogen-electric, the rest battery-electric, Driverless cars and buses will finally arrive, and this will help traffic flow more efficiently. Transit will improve, and everything, cars, trucks, trains, ships, and aircraft, will run on hydrogen. But wait, there's more. Flying cars will finally exist, mostly as vanity vehicles, but also for things like ambulances. Larger hydrogen electric planes will handle short commercial flights. Larger aircraft will burn hydrogen, flying distances up to 3,000 kilometers. Automation will make all flying safer and easier. All of these will be built by global corporations where Canada will have a small piece of the action. Canada will supply minerals from our green mining industry. We'll negotiate a share of production. Our limit will be the shortage of skilled workers. One industry where Canada might be a leader is airships, my favorite disruptive technology. The constraint for airships is that urban skies are already crowded, leaving little room around big cities for huge, slow airships, except perhaps for construction. Moving inside Canadian cities, transportation will be shaped by better urban design, 15-minute neighborhoods, continued use of home offices, better mass transit, and personal transport like bikes and scooters. Robotic delivery will move stuff between stores and homes and businesses. Less congestion will help. Cities will be more livable. The most difficult piece of this transportation puzzle involves traffic between cities. The demand for long-distance air travel is here to stay. Green aircraft may solve the climate gas problem, but airports are already crowded and near a saturation point. That will be the bottleneck. Air travel is already a pain in the butt and it won't get any better. Some long-distance travel may turn to airships, slow, comfortable, and affordable. They may offer an alternative someday. 
The most immediate, foreseeable problem, however, is that between small towns and major cities inside Canada, there's a massive transportation gap. This is the so-called flyover country. A century ago, trains filled this gap. The tracks went everywhere. I remember taking a milk run in southern Ontario farm country, a slow train that stopped every few minutes. In those days, trains tied Canada together. That's ancient history. Then buses took over. Now, even buses have stopped running. Airships might someday take on this job outside of crowded airspaces. They require little infrastructure. They could put a station on the top of a mall. Once built, they cost very little to run. A bit of hydrogen and away they go. They could, in effect, be the bus of the future between towns and small cities. Slow but affordable. Travel between major cities is a very different problem. Yes, air is one answer, but given the crowded airports, we need alternatives, competition. This would logically be ground transportation, roads or rail. But there's a problem here too. Both require unbroken ribbons of land. Acquiring new ribbons of land is almost impossible and way, way too expensive. So, with rail and road, the tracks and highways we have now is what we can expect in decades ahead. It's a physical constraint. Question is, can we make them better, more efficient? Start with roads. The problem with roads, they're too congested and getting worse. Solutions? One is to get most of the long-haul big rigs off the road. This would relieve traffic and make things a lot safer. To move the freight, we could use airships, not highways. This would bypass busy airspaces. They should be much, much less expensive. But if you don't like airships, get used to traffic jams. What about rail as an alternative? After all, rail was the original national dream. Sir John A. Macdonald's government built the Trans-Canada Railroad through scandal and mismanagement and rebellion to connect Canada from coast to coast. It's totally Canadian. But my baby boom generation grew up in cars. Passenger trains lost their luster. Rail service just got worse and worse and worse. We also hitchhiked. In the summer of 1970, hundreds of thousands of kids hitchhiked around Canada. I was in charge of a national task force that set up emergency youth hostels in military armories all across the country. Today, of course, Hitchhiking barely exists. In the end, it proved far too dangerous. But I digress. Trains. We hear a lot about high-speed trains. Bullet trains are not new. China, Japan, and European countries have had them for years. New magnetic levitation trains are being developed. But the cost is through the roof, even if you have the tracks. Yes, a proposal is being floated to run a bullet train between Washington and New York. No budget numbers yet. This line may make financial sense in a region so densely populated where air and road traffic is expected to double in the next two decades. But even this proposal has trouble making dollars and cents. We have heavy traffic in the Quebec City to Windsor corridor, but the economics here are even worse. More distance, fewer customers. But that's not the real problem. The dilemma is that the train tracks are already full. VIA, a crown corporation, runs our passenger service on tracks 
owned mostly by CN. Consider that last year, Western farmers harvested almost 75 million tons of grain and all this had to get to market. That's just one example. Freight carried by rail in southern Ontario is different, but no less important. Freight trains are essential to the economy. There's no way trucks could do the job. The roads are too congested. Ships are excellent, but face bottlenecks in ports and canals. If we pushed hydrogen airships, here's an off-the-cuff calculation. If airships carry 100 tons and take two weeks for a round trip, you would need around 30,000 of these airships to get grain from farms to market. Is it possible? Absolutely. Of course, like flying cars, this is pure speculation, futurism. Meanwhile, national priority goes to slow freight trains where there is no passing lane. Where does this leave via? Quebec City, Montreal, Ottawa and Toronto all played with them for more, better, faster train service. VIA is eager to take tax money to support what it calls frequent service. The bill could easily top $12 billion. But note, this is not high speed. Faster than at the moment? Sure. But as long as cargo rules the rails, passenger trains will be slow. There's no way around it. Well, there's no way around the cargo trains. One exception a high-speed link between Calgary and Edmonton may be possible, unlike other parts of Canada. Alberta may have the ribbon of land to do just this. Now, a final option to consider involves hyperloops. The futuristic hyperloop lets specially designed vehicles travel inside a low-pressure tube and may hit speeds of up to 1,000 kilometers an hour. Much faster than rail or air, it could carry both people and cargo. A Toronto company has proposed hyperloops for both Alberta and Central Canada. Hyperloops could, in theory, run on existing rights-of-way. That is, the tubes could be elevated on pylons, along highways or train tracks, and have a very small footprint. But all this is purely speculative. No hyperloops exist. They're only now being tested. Now, as an Ottawa resident, I watched this city build a light rail system, it's late, over budget, and constantly shut down. I can't imagine a Hyperloop doing much better. The bottom line is, none of the ground options work. We have to therefore be creative. For cargo, airships is the creative alternative. For people, as best I can figure, the only solution is for Canada to develop a truly robust network of small airports. That is, many small airports designed to accommodate small electric aircraft and small airships as shuttle services. Many planes already use autopilot a lot. Future aircraft will be even easier to fly. It's time to stop building 20th century systems. That train has already left the station. A network of passenger terminals for electric aircraft and airships would have to have hubs outside the big cities with links to rapid transit and major airports. In all this, think lots of automation, all on hydrogen power, fully networked. That's doable. The cargo airships would also have to stay well outside cities. But airship cargo ports could go virtually anywhere in a hub and distribution system. In massive numbers, Airships could almost eliminate ships, cargo rail, and long-haul trucking right up 
to the final leg of delivery. Incidentally, China is the one country in the world that's planning airships to relieve congestion. Transportation systems, of course, take decades to build. Currently, the future of our transportation is being shaped by default based on old technology locking in congestion. We may have fabulous new electric vehicles all stuck in traffic hoping to find a charging station that's not blacked out. This can only be fixed at the federal level. All transportation systems need government support for leadership, regulation, funding, and land. Only the government can ensure that all the systems are part of a seamless infrastructure, the pieces fitting together. Do this, and the private sector can invest in confidence. The federal government's not the only public stakeholder. City governments are key. Municipalities depend on provincial and federal governments for funding, yet they're almost an afterthought in decision-making. That is a recipe for failure. This brings us back to what a safe and secure, efficient and environmentally responsible transportation system should look like in 2050. The goal is admirable. The federal government has most of the pieces of the transportation puzzle, not all. The challenge for experts is to explain how the jigsaw pieces will be put together to form a picture that makes sense in a hydrogen economy. They must articulate a vision. They must draw a map of how to get there. Transportation solutions are so, so close, but unless we use our imagination, we'll be grounded. You've been listening to Canada Reimagined. My thanks to Tom Platt for the theme music, Tom Evans for my artwork, and to Harbinger Media, a collection of Canadian independent podcasters that I'm honoured to join. I'm Patrick Esmond-White. Tune in again and spread the word. <laughs>